Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I am the Bull, and this is See the Bull Ski, the podcast where I talk about leadership, followership, wellness, and resiliency. First off, I hope you all are having a good Memorial Day. You know, as a service member, this day has a very special meaning to me and to all my military brothers and sisters. So first, just want to say thank you to your service. And, you know, we should all be using this time to remember those that we've lost. Uh, nothing I can say can share how much I appreciate all of the sacrifices that have been made, but I will continue to do my best to serve honorably in remembrance of those that are no longer with us. Also, since it is the end of May and Mental Health Awareness Month, I wanted to share some of my thoughts about how to address mental health moving into the future. Uh, last week, I got to be a part of a professional development seminar, and during the course, there you know there were some conversations about a myriad of topics, but in particular was wellness and, and mental health. And I ended up talking to some of the folks about it, and they asked you know me as a mental health tech what they can do even though they aren't mental health specialists. And the good news is you don't have to be mental health to be a part of the solution. So today I wanna to share my thoughts on what you can do to help with the rising mental health demand. Let's get into it. If you aren't aware, uh, mental health demand has been increasing rather steadily in the military and across the board in the country for years now. And you know, while I'll always promote help seeking behaviors, uh, you know, anybody that needs help, please go and seek help. Along with that, I, I want to get at the root of the issue. And I don't believe that the issue is that there is an increasing demand in mental health. I think that's a result. You know, as I talked about in the previous session, there are numerous stigmas. And one of the bigger ones still out there, in my opinion, is that mental health will fix everything. Uh, while I wish that were the case, I, I believe that there are causes underlying the increase uh, to people seeking help. And until we face and challenge those causes, I'm afraid that the demand is only going to get worse. I don't know that for sure, but it is the concern that I have. Um, I've talked to a lot of people about this issue and, you know, I've read the articles and the memos and I've seen the reports and the emails and I've attended conferences and meetings and over and over and over and over, there's a call for more resources. You know, that's the common response. And don't get me wrong. I would love to have more resources available to, to better take care of people. But despite the focus on adding resources, we're still having a hard time keeping up. I do believe we do need more resources, and that does include using local civilian capabilities where you're able to. I also think we need to take a hard look at ourselves and ask why the increase is occurring to begin with. In the military, you know, I learned about this uh, eight-step problem-solving process, and I'm not going to go into detail on all eight, but I want to draw attention specifically to step four, which is root cause analysis. In the training, it says that this is the most commonly missed or messed up step and that increased attention needs to be paid here because if you don't nail down the true root cause, you end up expending more time, energy, and resources to target something that may not get you the solution that you're really looking for. Typically, the root cause with mental health is deemed to either be you know, the people themselves that need help so the response there is, well, we need to increase screening measures for people coming into the military, or the problem is decided to be a lack of resources and we need more. I, I can see the value and justification in this, but my question is, do these really solve the issue at its core? And asking that question, I don't think they do, you know, just my opinion, but I don't think they do. If we upped our screening and quadrupled our resources, 
I still think that we would have this problem. I still think it would get worse and eventually we'd be right back to square one. So my question is, what do we do, right? What can we do? Is there a realistic solution to make things better? And I believe the answer to that is yes. Things can always get better, but the concerns we have today certainly didn't appear overnight. So it's gonna take some time to you know, find that solution and get to a better place. And to start that process, we need to actually understand the root cause, the real problem. And to me, the problem isn't that we're seeing a consistent increase in the demand for mental health. The problem is what is causing the demand. If you don't know what the cause is, then you end up wasting time, energy, and resources targeting something that isn't gonna be as helpful. Right? In this case, the rise in demand for mental health, again, is not the cause, it's the result. So where do we start? Well, I say we use the data that we already have and you know we look at things like the DEOX, which I've talked about before, it's the Defense Equal Opportunity Climate Survey, exit interviews, feedbacks, you know, all the other surveys that we have to get, help give us an idea of what the population is struggling with. And a lot of the times in my experience, the, the struggles center around three big factors. Now, obviously there's more than three, but these are the big three that I've seen the most consistently from you know reports and whatnot. And they are work, family, and finances. So I'm gonna start with work. Some of the big issues in the work center are you know manning. Uh, consistently we're having issues with manning. Do we have as many people as we need for the demand of the job? And you know we have to be really careful here because there's times when we do need to ask people to go beyond their limits, but if you're supposed to have 12 people and you've only got five, then there may need to be a discussion about how to balance out priorities and you know what are things that need to be done, what are things that don't need to be done, or you know what do we need to do to get that additional support so that we don't burn people out. Yes, there are times that we do need people to go above and beyond their limits, but I don't think that that is a sustainable way of running things. And eventually you burn your people out and if you put so much focus on you know, the job because you have so few manning that you neglect taking care of the people, then you end up compounding the issue because as people burn out, it puts more of a burden on those that are left behind. So manning is a really big issue. Uh, resources, do people have the time, energy, and resources? I don't know if anybody saw it, but there was a really funny meme recently or memo that somebody put out anonymously about, you know, fix my email. Do you know how much time and energy and you know money we waste because I can't get my work done because our internet and infrastructure doesn't work um, you know so things like that resources do people have what they need to get the job done kind of combining those two ops tempo uh, what is the work life like what is the ops tempo like is there ever a dial down or is it just consistently go 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 and if people never get a chance to catch their breath you know they're gonna burn out they're gonna get exhausted and that we shouldn't just kick people to the curb or neglect them or berate them for not being able to keep up is it a realistic ops tempo is it sustainable or is it too much I uh, already touched on this one a little bit, but a big issue that's been coming up more and more and more is task saturation. You know, again, we have 18 things that need to occur by the end of the day, but we've only got four people and realistically only 10 things can get done. We gotta be careful. Are we asking too much of our people? Do we have an idea of what people are going through? And lastly in the work environment is toxic leadership, which I've touched on a little bit here or there, but I'm gonna define it here. Toxic leadership is defined as a type of leadership that is destructive to members of a team and overall workplace. It's a selfish abuse of power on the part of the leader 
And under toxic leadership, it's difficult for you and your peers to thrive. A toxic leader will usually have their own self-interest at heart. So I am a very big proponent against toxic leadership. Um, you know, one of my go-to phrases is you cannot thrive if you're stuck in survive. And if you're a leader and you don't mind burning your people out because it's gonna make you look good, congratulations, you're a toxic leader. Um, I don't wanna think that people like that exist, but they do. I've, I've had to deal with some in my own career and it's never fun. So this is, again, this is all centered in the work factor. Uh, the second factor is family. One of the big issues with family, again, I'm married, my spouse is not military, uh, the constant moving, that's been really tough, uh, especially if you have kids. Um, I do not have kids, but still, co the constant moving, you know, to support the mission and go where I'm needed uh, is very tough. For a lot of spouses, it sometimes is hard to find and procure employment because um, when one of the bases I was at when my wife was applying for jobs, as soon as the work centers found out that she was married to a military member, they didn't want to hire her because like, what's the point? You're gonna be gone in a couple of years. So that puts a big strain on the family. It puts a strain on the spouse. Um, it puts a financial strain on the entire family unit and that can be really tough. Taking work home stress. So you know, if somebody's having a hard time with work stress and ops tempo and manning and resources and all of that, and they're not able to deal with it at work or it's not being dealt with at work, then they can end up bringing that stress home and that just compounds the issues in the home area, which is someplace that the, you know, the, the member, the family should feel safe. Uh, spouse finding work, I've already talked about a little bit. Um, along with this is sometimes our spouses sacrifice their careers to support the military members. And that's an amazing sacrifice, but it does put a burden on the family. So um, I wanna throw this out to, to the military members. Be aware and try to include your spouse as best you can so that they're a part of your military journey and not just getting dragged along. Like make sure your family is actually a part of it as well. Also, military demands like deployments. Deployments are very, very tough on families and just making sure that the families get the support and the care that they need while the member is you know, away taking care of the mission. Again, this puts a lot of stress on the overall family unit, especially with kids. Uh, last of the big three is finances. Uh, usually the things here are things like budgeting problems or lack of budgeting skills, people engaging in retail therapy and spending outside of their budget. Uh, in some cases due to like family stress or work stress, they end up using finances and they get into self-medicating with like substance abuse, you know, predominantly alcohol, but other substances as well in some cases. Um, and also housing issues. Like I'm sure I'm not alone in noticing that, you know, there, there are some housing issues in a lot of locations. Um, in some cases, there was an article that came out recently. I want to say it was in the Military Times that was talking about, the, you know, a rising number of service members that are having to work a second civilian job just to be able to, you know, live. They, they need that second job just to be able to live. And they're not even living outside of their means. It's just it's really tough for them you know, with the housing market and with rising gas prices. Uh, so these are things just to be aware of that may be pushing people uh, to seek help. But some of these things, you know, a lot of these things aren't necessarily, they don't necessarily need to be handled by just mental health. There are things that can be done at the individual or unit level. So let's talk about some solutions. Starting out with yourself. Uh, what can you yourself do to take care of yourself? Well, you gotta start with awareness. Check in on yourself. How are you doing? How are you handling things? Are you having a hard time? Do you have everything balanced out? Do you need help, right? Um, are you communicating those concerns you know, to friends, family, to your supervisors? Are you able to communicate with them? Are you able to explain what's going on and adequately ask for help? 
engaging in self-care again some people using the finances going back to that some people engage in self-care by self-medicating and that's not an effective way to self-care but doing things like you know taking naps working out having a hobby having a project going to school uh, you know, just spending time with your friends spending time with your pets just regular routine maintenance kind of things fight for feedback <clears throat> i'm a big proponent of this seek out guidance right whoever you are regardless of your rank you need to get feedback of how you're performing what your strengths are what are areas that you can improve upon and then opportunities for you to grow as a person as an airman as a leader whatever you want to use uh, whatever vernacular asking for help fighting for feedback you know that should be happening more than just two or three times a year it should be happening consistently so don't be afraid to fight for feedback and ask your leadership for that feedback demand it you've earned it you need it Lastly, don't be afraid to up-channel issues if need be. I talked about this in a previous session when it comes to followership. Be an advocate for change. Be part of the solution. Sometimes leadership isn't aware of the problem, so we need to you know, engage with them and let them know what's going on and give them an opportunity to help us out because leadership often has the power and control to set the tempo to make things better. But if we're not letting them know that we're struggling, then it's kind of unrealistic to inherently think they're just going to figure it out. Aside from checking in on yourself, check up on each other, check up on your peers, your coworkers, you know, express things like empathy. I talked about this with emotional intelligence in my last session. If you didn't listen to it, please go do so. Uh, but empathy is just trying to understand where somebody else is coming from. Uh, big thing that I say there is you don't need to, you know, be able to put yourself in their shoes. You just need to understand that somebody else might be struggling. You know, that's just a part of being respectful. That's a part of good teamwork. Everybody's got a part to play in the team and we're all different. And those differences create a lot of diversity and a lot of diverse capabilities. And so by drawing together and working together, we can end up be doing more, you know, two heads are better than one. Uh, lastly, with the coworkers, be supportive of others that might be struggling. I tell this one a lot of times to my deployers before they go out the door and especially when they come home. Just because you're fine and you're handling things okay doesn't mean that people around you are in the same boat. You know, you may not have the same stressful factors going on in your life that they do. So just be supportive, be respectful. Very, very easy, very easy to do, very low target items. Um, lastly, watch how you talk. Be aware of your biases. Uh, sometimes people don't seek help, even not even from mental health, but even from their friends and coworkers because of how you know people talk and you know people let their internal feelings. You got to be conscientious of that. You know, try not to be judgmental and understand that everybody's different and everybody deserves help. Your use of language, you know, being accusatory, getting defensive, getting using emotional language, attacking people. Just be aware of how you're conveying things and how you're engaging with other people. Um, and again, awareness of how those are struggling. And anybody can struggle. It doesn't matter what your rank or job is. Everybody can have a hard time, can have a bad day. So just be aware and be understanding that nobody's perfect and we all just need a little bit of compassion. On the leadership side, I have some advice for leadership because again, I don't think that just an increase to mental health resources is gonna solve the issues. Um, I think that there is some room for solutions to be procured at the unit level and leadership you know you guys are in a prime position to be aware of those issues and affect change within your own area preventing people from getting to the point where they need those helping agencies you can kind of cut those problems off at the pass and get ahead of it and you can start by getting a pulse of your environment 
How do you do this? Well, you get to know your people, you know, understand the history of the work center and you track working demands. So getting to know your people is just taking the time out of your day and your taskers to get to know your people, your frontline supervisors, cultivating good relationships with, you know, your young airmen, enlisted or officer, we're all airmen. Uh, and in just a civilian work center, just getting to know everybody. Like, who do you supervise? What are they good at? What are their strengths? What have they been doing? What's their experience? What do they have going on at home? What are their goals, their aspirations? You know, get to know your people. Uh, understanding the work center, a lot of times when I've come into a work center, um, there've been quite a few where the history of the work center was kind of toxic, whether that be from toxic leadership or you know people were not being held accountable. Um, and so for a while, and this is something that I've come to believe about leadership is, you kind of have to prove yourself to your people and show that you're going to make things different and that your people can trust you. Because let's face it, some people have been burned. I have. Have you been burned? Probably. I mean, it's entirely possible. So you got to understand the work center and you got to be patient. Again, a lot of problems did not just occur overnight. They've occurred over time. So it's going to take some time to build up that trust and respect to get people to buy in and work with you. Just be consistent, be a good person, be a good leader, be a good role model. Tracking the working demands, I've mentioned this before. One of the things that I like to do is before I put additional taskers on people's plates, I would like to ask them what they already have going on. Um, you know, Maybe they need to be reminded of time prioritization. Maybe they need some motivation to get it done or some inspiration to get it done. Uh, they just need that reminder of taskers because we've all got a lot of things going on. So, you know, track those work demands, make sure that things are getting done in a timely manner, provide the training, the mentorship and support to make sure people have what they need so that they can get things done. Also, check on your subordinates. Now, this is more than just getting a pulse of the environment. This is checking on the individual subordinates. It's something called individualized consideration. This is providing feedback to your folks, letting them know how they're performing, what you're seeing, and finding out, you know, maybe they're not performing as well as you think they should be. Have that conversation with them, but don't do it in a threatening manner. Like find out what's going on. Maybe you have unrealistic expectations and that's okay. It does happen, but be aware of it so that you can balance yourself out. Be supportive using that feedback. Be supportive uh, in the work center, but also to outside activities, things like private organizations or hobbies or school or whatever. Be there for your people. Check up on them. Ask them how things are going. Get to know the person beyond just what they do at work. Lastly, for checking on subordinates. Okay, this is going to sound weird. Ready? Just talk to them. Just have conversations with them. There were a many a morning, and if my old uh, technicians are listening to this, Monday morning, the first cut, 15, 20 minutes, what are we talking about? Game of Thrones, the new Marvel movie that came out, what we did over the weekend. We just talked. We just shared. You know, we'd crack jokes with each other. We, we'd mess with each other. You know, it didn't matter that I was the flight chief and they were, you know, my troops. We're all people. We all have lives and we would just share our experiences. And yeah, we picked on each other and it was healthy. You know, we were very conscientious to make sure that it was team building rather than team damaging. So again, just talk to them. All right, also for leaders, address issues in your flight and fight for your people. Hold people accountable, all people, right? All leaders, hold your people accountable and be fair, be equitable, ju be judicious, right? Hold people accountable. This comes up all the time. And I understand it's not fun holding people accountable. Um, sometimes you gotta hold people accountable that are your friends or that you would like to consider your friends. But if you do that, you are showing favoritism. 
You can't do that and be an effective leader. You've got to be fair and equitable to everybody, right? Enlisted officer, everybody needs to be held to a good high standard. Remember that as a leader, what you permit, you promote. So when your people bring issues, issues to you, if you don't address it, what you're saying is you don't have a problem with it. And that can lead to a lack of trust that can degrade the entirety of the team and, and it just expands issues exponentially. Uh, get feedback from those that you lead. If you can address it at your level, address it. If you need to channel it up, channel it up. There are quite a few times that I've had to go to my higher up leadership because I did not have the authority to make certain decisions, but I still needed to advocate from those, for those changes because it's what was in the best interest of the people that I led. I don't mind bringing issues up to my leadership. I need their support to make sure that I'm making good decisions and I don't mess up. And sometimes I think leaders are afraid to bring issues up because they don't wanna look bad. But by not addressing it at all, I think you're looking worse. So again, get the feedback from people and address it, or if you need to channel it up, right, it's okay. Uh, kind of touched on this before, but now from a leadership perspective, be supportive of those struggling, right? Sometimes that means that you gotta fix the issue, but sometimes it means just be supportive of other people. Um, one of the things that I've learned that I found really helpful is when people would bring issues to me, what I would ask them is, do you need me to fix this or you just need me to be aware of it right now? And sometimes my people would tell me, I need your help fixing this. And sometimes they'd say, no, I think I've got it. I just wanted you to be aware. And that's super helpful and it's it shows that my people trust me and I respect that trust by engaging with the level of support that they need as determined by the person. Again, it's called individualized consideration. With leadership, always be the example. I've touched on this before. I'm always gonna believe it. You know, Do what you say, say what you do. Be a good role model, be professional, be respectful, be the best aspect of yourself. Show other people the way. And it's okay if you don't know and it's okay if you make a mistake. Right? Hopefully it's not a malicious mistake. It better not be, I hope. Uh, but if you do make a mistake, own it. You know, Hey, I made a mistake, my bad. Here's how we're gonna address it as a team. My bad, You know, we all learn. Nobody's got it all figured out. I've been doing this 18 years and I still don't have, have it all figured out. But I show people the way the best that I can you know, part of it, like doing this podcast, like I'm just, I'm trying to be an advocate for change. I don't have all the answers, but I wanna be part of the solution. So I try to do what I can and consistently learn. Lastly, or getting near lastly, sorry, not lastly yet, make yourself available. Uh, going along with just talking to your people, check in on your people, get to know your people because you're gonna be able to see issues that are going on or see changes in behavior way faster than the helping agencies will. So you're gonna be able to spot things, hopefully if you've got a good relationship and you check in on your people routinely, you're gonna know your people and be able to pick up on things. And if you do it routinely and you cultivate trust, then they are more likely to tell you what's going on and then you might be able to fix it at your level, preventing the need for mental health and getting an even faster solution because the, the problem might actually be something in the work center that you have the ability to change that mental health can't change. So if you get ahead of the problem and find out what's going on and fix it, you're not only showing the person you care about them, but you're diminishing the level of discomfort and ultimately increasing the overall wellness of the entire team. Uh, walk around, again, make yourself available, get to know your people, be a part of the team. Just because you're in a leadership role, you are still a part of the team. Sometimes that means doing you know, front desk stuff, or sometimes that might mean pushing a cart. That might mean you know, helping install an engine. That might mean helping pulling gate duty. Be a part of your team. Please, I encourage everybody, 
don't ever get into the mentality that because you've put on such and such a rank or you live in such and such an office that you are beyond such and such taskings. We all can band together and we need to. Like everybody, if you're a leader, then that means you hopefully know the job better than the people that you're leading. So be a part of the team. Show them that you're invested in the overall team and that there's, you know, try to help diminish that power divide. Uh, lastly, here, talk with your people. Again, fighting for that feedback. See what problems exist. And then again, use your authority to either make the changes at your level or channel it up to get a solution. My last pieces of advice are really simple for, for, for my fellow leaders. Please don't let your rank cloud your sight, right? Remember where you started, remember where you came from and be a part of your team. And if you can, make the changes at your level that you can make to better take care of your people. Like seriously, it means the world and I've done that. And when people see you do that, they trust you and respect you and they will work harder for you. They will fight for you. They will they will take care of you. Like it's not just about leaders taking care of the team. The team takes care of the leader. It's a it's a symbiotic uh, reciprocal relationship. So just keep in mind, you know, everybody has a part to play when it comes to mental health. Uh, some of the issues people are struggling with, you know, they aren't really mental health issues. They're, they're community issues. And what that means is that we as a community, we can work together to resolve them. And ultimately, it makes everybody stronger together. The strongest people are the ones that lift others up, not the ones that tear people down. And this might be the end of May, but that doesn't mean that it needs to be the end of mental health awareness. So I'm asking for everybody listening, you know, please take the time to not only make yourself a priority, but also make those around you a priority. There is no problem too big if we all work together and support each other and have the conversations and address the problems at the lowest possible level. I want to share with you all that, you know, I started this podcast because I have a lot of thoughts about this stuff. I have a lot of feelings and I love talking about it and I really do want to help people. And sometimes in order to help, we need to begin by recognizing that an issue exists. And the issue to me isn't that we're seeing a consistent increase in the demand for mental health, not even just in the military, but overall, like across the board in the United States. I really think and feel that the issue is that's creating this increase is we're not addressing issues in our day-to-day -day lives and then we're pushing the responsibility for helping fix it on outside agencies. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a mental health tech and I believe that outside agencies can help. But I also believe that some of the issues are within our work centers and you know within environments that we as a community can get after and help make better. And I think if we start having those conversations, we start you know, asking and fighting for that feedback. And then most importantly, using that feedback to impact change that we will make things better, right? Not only for ourselves, but for those around us and for our future replacements. So just something to think about as we come to May. Again, happy Memorial Day to everybody out there. I hope you're safe. I hope you're taken care of. I appreciate you. I care about you, whether I know you or not. Thank you so much for listening as always. And I will check you out next time.